0: Another curve, another strikeout. That's five for Clay Murphy. And the one, two, three inning concludes. It's Mr.
1: Burger. Ain't gonna tell him what your name is. It's Mr. Burger. That's all money should be famous. It's Mr. Burger. Ain't gonna tell him what your name is. Mr. Burger. That's all my should be famous. Stop, cut the beat off. Mmm. Burger. Burger Bites is recorded on location in Ozark, Missouri, and presented on Anchor. The views expressed on Burger Bites are not necessarily those of the staff and ownership of the Grip and Rip Baseball League. Enjoy the show.
0: Previously on Burger Bites. They
1: don't tell you about the rehab process being... You know, you know it's going to be hard, but there's just certain things about it mentally that are tough to get past.
0: Long before he ever made a baseball comeback, won a grip-and-rip league championship with the Ozark Mountain Ducks, and won the 2020 League MVP award, Clay Murphy had to bounce back from having Tommy John surgery on his right-throwing elbow. In a bullpen session at the University of Southern Mississippi, Clay Murphy thought he was back to dealing his best stuff, and a comeback with the Missouri State Bears seemed imminent. But the radar gun had a number that was missing about 20 miles per hour. My buddy
1: comes down there with the gun. He's like, yeah, you're throwing 69 miles an hour. I was like, oh, what? He goes, are you trying? I said, dude, I feel like I'm giving it everything that I've got. And it's coming out at 69 miles an hour. And that was a lot of work. And, you know, I finally got back to where I was throwing well. And was a week away from throwing in games. And coming back to the team and actually being a part of the team again. And my last live session against hitters, I think I threw 80 or 90 pitches. And the next day, I couldn't lift my arm over my head, and I was like, "What in the world is going on?" And uh, tore my labrum, so I had to go under the knife again. So I spent two years rehabbing, basically, to get back to be able to pitch my
0: senior year. Bit of a grinder. Well, not to to dwell on it, but just. As I was looking through that old media guide I mentioned earlier, yeah. you know, it's it's just one sentence about you. It says underwent successful Tommy John right. surgery in 2012, yep. and then it it reads like you just went back to living your right. life and and throwing your best stuff with every pitch. <laughs> but I mean, no. we, we know that's not at all the case. No, not really. And why do you th- why do you think that is? That the the rehabilitation phase of an injury like that is something that's just so glossed over is it just because it's something you had to a part of your life you had to live so privately yeah
1: well you know it's just for tom and john guys it's almost a rite of passage at this point you know you come out the other end stronger and it's not because your arms you know stronger from the surgery or whatever but it's from the rehab uh, which i knew and i came back and You know, in those bullpen sessions, I was throwing harder than I was before surgery. And it was because I I was stronger. My arm action was cleaner. You know, we had taken a look at a lot of that stuff. And there's definitely reason for that. But, you know, at at the same time, there's just so much work that goes into it. And, you know, I had taken my time on that one. I was at about 12 or 13 months. or No, it was about 12 by the time I tore my labrum. But then, you know, you're out of red shirts and everything else, and now you're on a time crunch. And uh, so I went from, you know, having all the time in the world for Tommy John to having to halt my rehab for Tommy John because I couldn't move my arm from the labrum surgery. So that set me back however many months. And then from labrum surgery to first game, I think was eight months until that first game that I pitched in after that. so. You know, the, the timetable changes, the intensity changes, and it's just, there's a lot more pain involved when you're trying to go that quickly. It it, it showed, <laughs> you know, I went from throwing, you know, right before that throwing 87, 88 to I could barely crack 80 on a good day. You know, And it was just because my arm couldn't hold up. And, you know, my whole senior year, I pretty much had a student trainer designated to me to fix me every week. You know, I would throw in the game and uh, spend the next six days rehabbing. I wouldn't touch a baseball. I wouldn't throw. And then I would go out on the seventh day and I would throw again and tear it up. And then six days of rehab and then go again. And that was kind of how it was for the year. And, you know, by the time the season was over, I was almost thankful, you know, for my arm. I was like, man, I don't know. People were like, do you want to try and play indie ball and do all this stuff? I was like, I can barely lift my arm right now. So, you know, I'm I'm going to take some time. And just let it heal, you know, because one of the things I always said is I want to be able to play catch with my kids. And, you know, at that rate, I wasn't going to be able to. So the time off definitely helped. And uh, But, yeah, that rehab process and going through all of that, definitely a grind, but it actually, you know, kind of teaches you who you are as a person, too. So what you can get through.
0: So at the same time, as all that's going on, you go from... Being the guy who gets a sad face on his math quiz to completing a degree, uh, was what was the difficulty like with you know still balancing all of your studies and then in the midst of all that rehab, still trying to feel like you're part of the baseball program? I mean, I would imagine uh, that part presented a big challenge,
1: yeah. It did, you know, uh, that junior year, you know, one of my best friends, Pierce, got drafted, so he was kind of gone and out, and then the next year petrie grant all the guys you know void all those guys that i came in with as freshmen they all were gone and so through that first you know i always say my first senior year it was it was okay because i still had those guys around you know and was able to kind of you know keep it in perspective but then once the labrum hit it was like oh man like i gotta go through all this again none of these dudes are going to be here like obviously i'm still friends with all the you know, the younger guys, but it was still, you know, it's tougher. There's, you know, I'm five years older than those freshmen at that point. So it was tougher, but, you know, at the same time, my wife, Lindsay, she was from New York. She had moved down here at that point. So we were uh, living together and uh, so, you know, having her here and stuff was, was a big help as far as support goes. And, you know, I knew I still had to get my degree and still had to stay locked in there and be able to be eligible you know with with NCAA each year you have to have a certain percentage of your degree completed to stay eligible along with grades and everything else so you know it was to the point where I was like well I gotta stay in I got to stay locked in and luckily you know it was physical education and uh, you love playing and, and doing things and You know, once I was able to move around and, you know, you're just going to class and playing games every day and writing lesson plans and stuff like that. So that part was helpful in a sense because it kept me active and kept me having fun. But there were definitely days where it was it was tougher than others. I had a great support system at, you know, at the team. and Jim Pankowski, the trainer, with me every single day, you know, grinding it out with me, you know. And so he he was a big help as well. So but definitely wouldn't have been able to get through it without. A lot of people helping and supporting.
0: So eventually, I know post graduation, the plan was, you know, to be a PE teacher and a coach. Right. So there was going to be a a, a life after college baseball for <laughs> you. So tell me about those post grad years, how that all unfolded for you. Yeah.
1: So I graduated fall of 2013, um, and then played spring of 2014. So after that, you know, you know, as soon as I graduated, I was applying for jobs like, like crazy. You know, basically saying, yeah, I still have to finish out my baseball career, but applying, and applying, and applying. And I applied all over the place around here, and unfortunately, in the PE game, sometimes it's it's about who you know. <laughs> and uh, you know, not being from around here originally it was a little bit tougher. Um, and I was fighting, not fighting, but you know, going up against jobs with my entire graduating class at Missouri State. You know, nine or ten teachers all from around here looking for the same jobs at the same schools and most of them grew up in those schools so a lot of them got those jobs. I unfortunately didn't, which was okay. But it allowed me to be a coach for the summer in the Mink League, and then I got a job down at 2K Sports Training with Ray and Alex Kelly. You know, so I was able to keep the uh, baseball alive and keep the you know the teaching aspect alive, and really dig into learning the mechanics more and and things like that. So I was able to help them and basically help build pitching programs and everything else, and help run that facility for four or five years and then you know we slowly transitioned to you needing know, something a little more stable for family purposes and you know went to medical device sales for a bit and then went to the adjuster game and that's where we are now so you know working at 2K was was a great way for me to get my feet wet in the uh, being an employee atmosphere and 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 working and, and kind of figuring all that out but it also kept me around the game and having fun too
0: so yeah I was going to ask about the transition to being an insurance adjuster, um, <laughs> you know, of course, financial stability and just having a little more of a, like an eight to four or a nine to five, I'm sure that's, uh, that's a heck of a lot better than than coaching could ever offer. So was that the big motivator? Was just, you know, settling down, starting a family, wanting some stability? Yeah. You know, my,
1: the stability factor was was big. When I first got out of college, my wife, she was working at Hoolahan's, uh, Hands and then she went over to Millwood and um, the country club, and she was uh, the assistant director of the food and beverage over there. So, both of our jobs revolved around us working at night. So it was fine, you know. You know, we were we hung out during the day, did our thing, and then at night, you know, we worked, uh, which was great. But then she got a job as a as an insurance agent with Shelter, and then started that nine to five thing. And then we went from that to never seeing. It. You know, once she did that, we never saw each other, and we we're like, this kind of stinks. You know, we started you know, trying to figure things out. And, you know, that's kind of when we started thinking more about the future and, uh, you know, the stability factor, you know, needing insurance, all that good stuff. And we, we made the move over and as a property adjuster, I'm still outside most days and you know, climbing on roofs and everything else. And, you know, they don't tell you about the sewage backups, you know, during your job interview, but, uh, but those are few and far in between compared to the hail claims around here. So lots of roost, lots of climbing, lots of being outside, talking to people, and which I like being social. I like talking to people and getting to know people, so that it helps me a lot. And you know, we still get to help people out.
0: Well, then we'll kind of finish up with this talking about Clark once again. Yeah. Uh, you've you've alluded to this actually in, in previous post game interviews mm-hmm. that even though Clark is uh, is just a baby at this point, there may come a day where he gets interested in sports. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you will sort of unretire from coaching. You know, it's, it's really interesting to me that you've kind of already got this idea that (laughs) you're going to coach your own son. Cause you know, I I think a lot of youth sports coaches end up volunteering or, or getting voluntold into it out of necessity because they're the only person. So it's, it's interesting me that you just already seem like you're ready to go out and And coach kids and coach your own kids. Yeah. You
1: know, well, coaching's always been a passion of mine and something that I've always wanted to do. And being at 2K, I got to do that for a while. You know, it wasn't on the uh you know on the field type coaching but it was you know the day to day the you know the teaching aspect of it you know and there's just so much about baseball that I've been able to learn through the years with through so many people and had so many good experiences that you know it's one of those things it's like why wouldn't I want to share that with you know my son and other kids and uh you know for me I think in that situation once he gets to that age I'd probably be voluntold anyways so you know why not just go ahead and beat everybody to the punch and do it anyway yeah, I think the goal, you know, would be coaching for a while and then, you know, once he gets to a certain age, step away and let him get those other coaches, you know, get those different aspects of the game, get those different philosophies and, and ways of thinking because, you know, you don't want to limit him and and limit people and limit your players to just one train of thought, especially with baseball. There's so many different things out there. And, you know, I was talking to Pierce the other day and uh, Pierce Johnson and, we were talking about different philosophies and stuff, and it's just crazy. Even each organization or each you know coach, just the way people think about things. With all this information out there now, it's it's crazy. And I'm not going to be the expert in all of that stuff. By the time he's of age, so I'll be able to guide him to a certain point, and then I'll say, you know, get out there. And if you have questions, you can ask me, and you know, I'll talk to you. But I want you to learn and figure things out and figure it out on your own a little
0: bit. <laughs> and i'm sure you'll you'll steer clark rather toward t-ball like when he comes to that age but uh, i know like you were a basketball player yeah. in high school as well right yeah. so you know are you just going to follow clark toward whatever game he shows the best aptitude toward
1: yeah, yeah, you know my so Lindsay she played played college soccer. So either way, you know, I think he got some athleticism hopefully from one of us and uh you know, whichever way he wants to go, we're there for it and you know, if he wants to be a champion chess player, we're there for it and I'll be the loudest person there cheering him on, you know, that's all I can do, but you know, I hope that he he, you know, goes towards baseball or or basketball cuz those are the two that I know, but if he wants to go towards soccer, well then mom gets to gets to dive in a little bit more on that side, and I'll be the guy carrying the cooler and orange slices and just hanging back and and learning what I can. So whatever he wants to do, we're in. I mean, he's already throwing things left-handed, so that's a win, you know. Especially if he's gonna be five nine like me, he better be left-handed. Being five nine and right-handed, it's not gonna get you anywhere unless you play second base. So better be a lefty. So. He picked that ball up left-handed the first time. I said, yes, keep it, keep it there, man. He's been throwing things left-handed. He's, he's dunking stuff on his little mini goal now. He loves it. Anything to do with a baseball or a a ball in general, he, he's on it. And he's saying baseball now, so I'm happy.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, you're the reigning MVP of the GRBL. So I'm hopeful that, uh, there will be a, uh, a reigning and defending season in 2021 what are the goals that are left for you in baseball as an athlete
1: keep playing keep playing at a high level you know grbl there's a ton of good guys out there that are playing and and grinding it out and and doing well and working hard in the offseason and uh that's something that going into this i did not realize was the offseason work that guys were putting in to stay in shape get up stuff whatever you want to say there but uh yeah, you know, I kind of walked into it last year, very unprepared in that sense, um, especially on the hitting side, you know, the pitching I figured would be there, you know, I played some catch here and there playing softball. But, you know, this year, I'm not going to walk into tryouts that being the first time I thrown off the mound in a while, you know, and uh, definitely going to put in a little more uh, work in the offseason to get my arm in shape. Because by the end of it, man, it, it was barking a little bit and if it wouldn't have been for that bye week, I don't know how well I would have done in the playoffs because I was hurting there. But definitely taking a little bit better care of my body, better care of my arm, and, uh, you know, hopefully going out and winning a couple more titles. Being MVP is definitely an honor, and I would love to get it again. But uh, I'll take the title every day. That champagne shower is, uh, that's what you want, right? That's unbelievable. And those videos Harrison got, you know, and, and everything with the GoPro are just unbelievable. <laughs> being able to live that. Yeah, I want to do that as much as possible for the next five, six years or however many I can do it. So um, that's the goal <laughs> and get in shape. That's that's the first goal for this offseason. But yeah, we're moving in the right direction. I, I bought some weighted balls and going to be throwing in the basement here soon.
0: If you want to be teammates with Clay Murphy, or maybe want to see if you can hit his fastball or his slider, you need to be at U.S. Baseball Park in Ozark, Missouri on Sunday, August 1st. That is tryout day. The managers of all six grip-and-rip baseball league clubs, including the reigning champion Ozark Mountain Ducks, will be on hand to scout players at all positions. The draft and roster announcements all happen on the same day. For more information, visit thegrbl.com. Time now for a Burger Bites bonus feature. We've spent almost two episodes describing what a great guy and a great pitcher Clay Murphy is. And that's true, but Clay volunteered to take us back to 2011 for what would be the ultimate low light of his entire college baseball career. This is Murph's story from February 20th, 2011, a day that he says he still thinks about all the time for all the wrong reasons. Oh, yeah. It's like your your worst college outing ever against Nebraska. Was that? Yeah. The, do, you, do you really want to go relive that?
1: <laughs> you know, I relive it on a daily basis. Cause all right. So, so what?
0: Tell me that story.
1: My worst college outing, yeah, is definitely against Nebraska. It was the first game of my sophomore year. So we go down. We're playing at Texas State. And, you know, we're on the bus, and we stop at UTA to practice. We get off at UTA. I'm throwing a bullpen. I know I'm throwing on Sunday, so – I throw a bullpen on a Thursday and uh, I just feel terrible physically, like starting to feel sick. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And so we get down to, to Texas State, and the next morning I am like, I feel like I'm sunk into my bed, just awful sick. So I call a trainer. He takes me to some doctor down there. He's like, oh, you got strep. I'm like, oh, great. So I had strep. I had like 103 fever all weekend. So The whole weekend, we played three games. Friday and Saturday, we played three games. And I had to sit in the stands, kind of quarantined away from everybody else, just charting pitches. That way, I didn't get anybody sick. And the the goal was, as long as we don't use up everybody, you don't have to throw on Sunday. I said, great, because I don't know how I'm going to do it. You know, the first game, our starter goes like three innings. The second game, our starter goes two. The third game, our starter goes like four. So we've used everybody in the pen except for me and two freshmen, one of which was a two way player, Pat Drake. <laughs> so, and so we were like, he was like, uh, G just goes, well, do what you can. I like, oh God. So go out and, uh, yeah, I've got 102 fever, just feel terrible. But I'm like, Oh, here we go. Long story short, I give up the cycle to their leadoff hitter in three innings. And, uh, they hung a nine spot on me in three innings and g came out i went out in the fourth and i think i think i went out in the fourth i God, i don't even remember anymore that's how terrible i felt but i think i went out in the fourth and i walked the first guy and he just comes out and he didn't even say anything. I just handed him the ball and I went and laid down the dugout. I was like, I feel so bad. We wound up losing like nineteen to one or something crazy. And so I got to start the year off with a with a twenty seven ERA. And it's a bit of a grinder working working back from that as far as you know stats and stuff go. But everybody's always like, Man, your your sophomore year was kind of an outlier. And I'm like, Well, you take out one game. And it may be a little bit different, but yeah, the the leadoff guy, I don't even remember his name, but yeah, he, he had my number, but pretty much anybody would have had my number that day. I probably was running it up there at like 78 miles an hour. Just awful. Felt so bad. I was like, please God. I I remember it as a fact, like that was the only game in my life. I've ever looked in the dugout and been like, for the love of God, take me out. Like, I don't want to be out here. (laughs) And, Finally they came, and I was like, thank you.
0: Cornhuskers leadoff man Kale Kaiser did not hit for the cycle that day. He came up a double shy of the cycle on a 5-for-6 outing. Clay also left off the part of the story where Kaiser hit a grand slam in the second inning, but we will give Murph a wide berth. Kale Kaiser, incidentally, went on to be selected by the Chicago White Sox in the 23rd round of the 2012 Major League Baseball entry draft. He played two seasons of A-ball before his release in 2014. He ended up with the Gateway Grizzlies in the Frontier League, but that was six years after two-time GRBL Pitcher of the Year Andy Galley, a close friend of the Burger Bites show, had done his time in Sager, Illinois. My research determined that Nebraska led 12-1 when Clay Murphy got pulled from the game by Hall of Fame coach Keith Gutton. Both Nebraska and Missouri State seem to have deleted the box score from Clay Murphy's strep throat game from their archives, but I did find a quote given by Cornhuskers coach Mike Anderson after a 16-4 triumph for Nebraska in San Marcos. It was a good day for us, Anderson said. The kids just kept swinging it and in a timely manner with the Grand Slam. It was good that we got some runs early. That freed up some kids to take some chances and do some things. It was a good day on the offensive side. Yeah, no shot, Mike. If anybody happens to know where I might be able to find Kale Kaiser, connect with me on Twitter at rantsburger or send a message to the Burger Bites Facebook page. Maybe Mr. Kaiser would like to attend GRBL tryouts on August 1st, and you can too by going to thegrbl.com. Tremendous thanks to 2020 GRBL MVP award winner Clay Murphy. Thank you for listening to Burger Bites, and until next time, I'm Rance Burger. Good night from Ozark, Missouri.